Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nyson, sponsored, supported by LaCole. They produce performance cycling apparel, the best in the world, and they support this show and make it possible. Today, stage six of the Criterium de Dauphiné, we shall be recapping 167 Ks from L'Oréal-Sodrome to Le Sapien-Chartreuse. Pretty easy for the first 115 kilometres, and they do the Col de la Placette, 5K, 6.5%, short descent, then the Col de Port, 7.7 Ks at 6.5%. But I think like the first third of that climb, it looks to me to be uncategorised Benji, and it really is a longer drag and climb. It looks like to me like a the actual climbing they're doing is about 18 kilometres. Uh, then descent, quite technical, bad road surface and some works going on it. And then a tricky finish. They have two climbs that ASO have separated. It looks like one extended climb to me with a short descent and falls flat in the middle. And it's about oh, 6.78 Ks at about 5% gradient. The finish, pretty flat, 3%, maybe less actually. Let's see if Alejandro Valverde can read the road book, <laughs> unlike an LDM Menos Pensado season two. Uh, but we had a had a pretty good break, Benji. Me and you like Julian Bernard. We think he's a guy who could win a Grand Tour stage in the right circumstances. So I do at least. He was in there, but who else was there? So we got a, a pretty large breakaway. Quaddock once again. We've seen a lot of riders in this breakaway that have been on the attack the other days as well, like Matt Holmes as well. Abishtrim was on a small attack, I think, yesterday. Then Cherny in the breakaway, like you said, Bernard, Banabach Peak, Martin Salmon, Bonamour, Bacalons. We've got Anthony Perez, Le Gac, Van Avermaet. So uh, that's pretty strong in the breakaway. And Goldstein and Pichot. So large breakaway. And I find it weird because due to the fact that the initial pace in this stage was so intense, first hour above 50k in our average, which is pretty mad. And the gap between the peloton and the breakaway was because of that, because the peloton was riding at a decent pace, staying relatively low, 235 when the live TV was about to start with 50k to go. But they rode so fast that we didn't see almost anything before the call to port happened. And I'm really curious what happened beforehand, because... Who paced? I don't get it. <laughs> I think it was Bora honoring the jersey. Was it Benji? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I've checked. I'll get the highlights pack, and they might have some of that footage locally recorded. But yeah, I mean, the the like the live coverage started so late. It started even later, Benji, on uh, Sports. Uh, I think it started half yeah. an hour earlier on GCN Plus. Like it was halfway up the Calder Port when Belgians were able to watch. So a weird stage. I think it was Bora. Uh, but don't quote me on it. But uh, yeah, it was. It got a bit weird on that climb, Benji. The breakaway started disintegrating, and we saw some teams pacing. Where I was like, "But why are you doing this?" Particularly Tony Martin. Yeah, we saw that Yumbo was moving up on the uh, well left side of the road for the viewer, right side of the road for the not viewer, the riders themselves. And Tony Martin indeed started pacing, but he also 
paced a bit too much at a certain point, and then a gap opened up behind him, and then he waited on the peloton again, and then he started pacing in front of the group again. So Jumbo was trying something, I think, putting himself in a good position for potentially trying something with Gaza, but I think you thought this at the time of uh, the race. Why today? Because La Plagne is perfect for, well, is better for Gus and a cold yeah. board. What is he going to do? Attack on top here, descend to the line and, and ride alone or with one other rider on the last 3% section towards the finish line? It's it's very unlikely. It's It fits more towards a finger gob, but he's not up there in GC. So then I'm like, is he going to try for the stage perhaps to try and get things right? But Nah, uh, I found it weird that Yumbo was starting to pace in that situation, but a few other teams were also starting to move up, and we saw that Astana at a certain point decided to put three or four riders at the front with Movistar one or two riders at first, and we saw that Alex Aramburu was being put into a domestique position. Yeah, My heart no. was breaking watching this. The and, disrespect. <laughs> yeah, I feel like ever since he had to pace in LBL with... 60, 70k to go. Ah, so sad. But um, ever since then, I feel like he's not getting the value he deserves at this team. And I feel like that's the case again today. But it's kind of on the edge, you know, because are we sure that no serious attack is going to come on top of the cold port? No, we're not. If it is going to happen, then Aramburu can't follow. If the attack doesn't happen, then I'm pretty sure that Aramburu can hold on if, yeah. If the tempo well, doesn't go mental at the top, you know, it was it was disappointing given what did happen. In the, yeah. I'm like, okay, you sacrifice Aaron Baru and Oscar Rodriguez. I think might have been pacing for Astana as well. If yeah. you're going to set up a descent a descent attack for Luchenko or Izagire to try and put genuine GC pressure on uh, Ineos or Movistar, if you actually want to try and win this thing, but if it seemed to me like they just wanted the yellow jersey, so they just wanted to drop Perstelberger. Catch, make sure the break was caught, and I think set up Lutschenko for the finish and hope that he got a chance to sprint for the finish. But yeah, I mean, Colbrelli got dropped, Asgren got dropped really early. It was a hot day today. Um, Colbrelli was like the third favorite for this stage. Which did you know that Benji? Colbrelli was like the second favorite in the betting before this stage started. Which <laughs> outrageous, but anyway, yeah. um, surprising to me. But yeah, Aaron Brew, I would have liked to be. If they weren't going to do a descent attack, I think they could have saved him because, yeah, Movistar started pacing hard with Verona. And Carlos Verona, he's a free agent, as is Alex Aramburu. I wouldn't mind pairing those two on a team next year. Um, Ver- Verona, he does so much work. He did it in, in Catalonia in that Pelea stage that Movistar stuffed up. And what has happened is he will pace and pace and pace to exhaustion and then there's no one else helps him and then it all goes to shit. Uh, and so he was pacing, chasing Lawson Cranach. He broke away. He did the fuga di fuga, or whatever Chente calls it. <laughs> he broke away from the breakaway um, and he's looking really strong. On the descent, gaining time. And it's Verona pacing on that descent. I'm like, is there going to be a descent attack? Port is letting the gap to Kwiatkowski go. Kwiatkowski, keeping it all together for Ineos, he's been doing that for like six years on these dangerous French descents. And uh, yeah, I'm surprised... I guess that no one tried it on that descent. But we get to the final climb, Verona pacing. And what were you thinking, Benji? Because what what has happened in the past after Verona pulls off? Well, if Verona pulls off, then the problem is that nobody else from the leadership decides to take over. And we've seen that on stage. I think that was two or three. Um, 
throwing them to each other at the moment. But I think it was three, the one where Perselberger took the yellow jersey. Uh, we saw on that last hill that Verona took over, then did a space, and then he dropped over the front. And that moment was a moment where the rest of Movistar starts looking at each other because they've got multiple leaders. We've got Lopez, Mas, and Alvarez, and neither of those were willing to work for each other. But today was different. Today we've had someone offering themselves up for the others. And I'm not sure, perhaps it was a, his own decision, perhaps it was a team decision, but in all honesty, it was a good decision. Actual t- perfect tactics from Movistar today. We said yesterday, did we, we were like, Movistar, we were like, as a, as a side end note to the last podcast yesterday, we said, obviously the finish is perfect for Valverde, but are they going to set it up for him? Because, you know, this, it's a flattish sprint at the end. It's going to be too hard, we thought, for Colbrelli and co. But the problem is this power vacuum that Benji's talking about, and that's when attacks start flying from other riders, and Valverde can't bring them back with 3Ks, 2Ks to go. Uh, so today, those attacks did start flying with uh, yeah. Louis Mankey's first on this last climb. Mankey's attacks, they've called Lawson Craddock. He's brought back, I think, Gagan Hart bridged to him. Yeah, Godou as well. Godou first, Godou. then Gegenhard bridge to uh yeah. to Godou as well. And then Kazbo's following as well. And all those like people without a proper team at the finish line here in that group decided to go for moves to try and upset the Ineos train. Well, the Ineos train fought back, like you mentioned. Gegenhard decided to yep. bridge up. But what I found interesting was that that brought Ineos still in a bad position because him bridging up and the others being in that group means that Port has to pace anyway in the peloton. So might as well have Gegen Hart pace in the group behind him than Port, I'd say. Well, I mean, Port didn't look very good, I think. I think Port did a short pull and then mm-hmm. Thomas had to take over to close the gap. And I think they were happy yep. to let Godou and Gegen Hart go. But then Koos was the trigger for everyone. It was like, nah, we're, we're getting on to this. Uh, and then... It all settled down. No one counted. That would have been the perfect moment for Lushenko to attack, yeah. but he didn't. Uh, he was, a good, yeah, I think he was cooked. He was on the limit. <laughs> and Kelderman, Bohr have got Kelderman and Conrad there. No counter from those two. They didn't play the team multiple rider cards either. Kreuzweig and Kuz did at least try. They just got no leash. And it was Lopez, as Benji said. Lopez shut this race down with 1,500 metres to go because I was thinking – one of these next counters is going to be the one to snap the elastic and there's going to be no one to close it. And Ineos are tired. Gagenhart's just moved. Miguel Angel Lopez got on the front with like 3 4% gradient and strung this out. Massive <laughs> pull from the Colombian. Recently signed at Movistar, keeping it all together. We've got Lopez, Gagenhart, Thomas, uh, Kus, Valverde, and Lutschenko's back there. So I think Valverde's not, still not in a great position. He's marking Kus, but anyway... <laughs> And Lopez pulls to about 400, 350 metres. Massive effort from him. He's brought Valverde closer to the line, the group all together. And then what did you see from Thomas Benji? Was this a let the wheel go deliberately? Or was this Gagenhart beginning his lead out for Thomas and Thomas getting out of the saddle and thinking, I don't have the legs today, I should just let him go? I think that Thomas probably did have the legs. I think that it was a combination of both. It's like, first of all, you've got the situation where you can save energy and your teammate can go. So why not choose to let the gap go anyway? I don't think Thomas would have the legs to to actually go for the stage win here. But I definitely don't think that at that moment he was like, oh God, this guy is kicking away from me like that. It could be. 
because in all honesty, Gainhart made that move earlier. He made that move there, and it was not a a rookie kick. That was a proper attack yeah. by Gegenhardt. And I don't feel like it was necessarily a perfect setup for having someone in your wheel trying to bring him to the last meter. So I don't know. I, I think that Gegenhardt was generally thinking, let's put up a bit of an attack here. Let's let's push hard here. And it's also a false flat uphill. Well, it's an uphill. I can't call it false flat anymore. I think 4% at this point. But keeping that going and having a gap of like one meter, two meter, three meter, four meters on on Thomas forces other people to try and take over from Thomas. And it took a while because like you mentioned, Valverde was not on the right wheel. Valverde was not on the right wheel, which means that he was very late to respond as he had to go across other people. And we had the Bora riders who were also not in the perfect position. Lutsenko tried to respond at a certain point, but fell backwards. But yeah, everybody was just so terribly trying to close the gap towards Gegenhardt there. It was a huge gap, and that was because Fus went to made as if to go to his wheel, and then he couldn't. He ran out of uh, ran out of gas, and then yeah, Valverde just started like a slow, like a steady three hundred meter bridge. He's got everyone initially on his wheel: Kelderman and Conrad, Gegenhardt. I think he was leading out Thomas, and Thomas just didn't have the legs today. That's my view, but anyway, and. You know, I think Gegenhardt could have even won this stage if they played a little bit differently, but they weren't to know. I mean, it makes sense to go for Thomas on this stage. That's what I thought they should have done. Valverde begins his bridge, gets eventually into the draft of Gegenhardt, and then with 50, 40 metres to go, comes around to the left. It was just a matter of would he catch him before the road ended because yeah. he was coming much, much quicker than Gegenhardt. And a fantastic textbook win for Movistar. I mean, they didn't. They still, he still had to do a fair bit of work at the end. And the thing is, with Valverde, this finish shoots him so much. He doesn't even need a perfect last 400 metres. He's so much better with the final kick if there's no Colbrelli or Aaron Baru-style riders that you've just got to get him to the last 300 or 400 rather than yeah. closing the attacks you know, in, in the last K or so, which he can't do. So fantastic work from Lopez. I tweeted immediately saying, you know, that is something we haven't seen from them. He sacrificed his stage ambitions. He did... I think Lopez did try himself. Um, yep. He did try a little move earlier in the climb and it didn't work. So he went back to, you know, leading up for Valverde. Really, really good to see that. And yeah, um, Enric Mas sort of just rode in, I think, behind. But here's the full stage result Valverde first, Gegenhart second. Still a good result from him. Great legs. Conrad third, Kelderman fourth, Bora Hansgrohe. Don't know what they're doing. Mars fifth, Kuz sixth, Lutschenko seventh. He takes the yellow jersey. Haig, nice result, eighth. Hermans ninth and Kroosvike tenth. Thomas eleventh. I said, I think, yes, I was like, Hermans from the break, but he's 50 seconds on GC. <laughs> he could have won from the break, but oh, the GC was too interested. So, yeah, Lutschenko eight seconds ahead of his gear. Kelderman in third, one second ahead of Thomas, who's at 13 seconds. Van Wilder in fifth for DSM. He takes the white jersey. Uh, he's looking really good. Port. And then Conrad's in seventh. Hey, Kroosvike, Miguel, Angel Lopez at 42. Where's Mas? Because I'm just trying to see where... Um... 20 down, uh, 1 minute 15. I think he lost time on stage. I don't remember at all. Damn, on the TT. Was it time trial? And Lopez is on 10th. I mean, I asked some people on Twitter asking me, why isn't Mas pulling instead of Lopez? And um, I don't have an answer for you. I just... <laughs> he just didn't. <laughs> I think Mas, I'm guessing he didn't have the legs. Maybe. I, I think, to be honest, for Valverde to win, it was better that Miguel Angel Lopez pulled. But 
Now we're getting into, you know, speaking of Miguel Angel Lopez, we're getting into his territory. Tomorrow's stage from San Martin, Le Venu to La Plagne. This is a big, long climb <laughs> up to over 2,600, that's uh, 2,060 meters, not 2,600, 172 Ks. We have the Col du Pre, 13 Ks at 7.7%, then short descent in the Corne de Rosalon, nearly to 2,000 at 6 Ks, 6.4%. Then a 30k descent before 17ks at 7.4%. The Col de Pre has some steep sections at the end, but the Col, uh, Le Plan is very, very regular. It's all 7%, 8%. The steepest K is about 89 So it, it really suits the Ineos train and Thomas, but I think Movistar got some cards to play. I'd like to see them attack with Lopez tomorrow, Benji. You think they'll do it? I think they'll do it. I think that Lopez is very strong as he showed today, stringing that entire group and making sure that nobody can attack in the final few kilometers was perfect, but it also displayed his, his power at the moment. And he's had good weeks. I think he won a stage race. I can't remember the name. One and a half weeks ago, winning two stages or one of the stages in the process. And I think that today, well, Tomorrow might not be too much different. I'm also curious to see what Quintana will do on this kind of stage because that's the kind of stage where Quintana has to go on because it's the only one that really suits him to the bone there. And he's only shown himself in these smaller French races, being with Arkea this season so far. And we haven't seen the Quintana that we saw early last year in those uh, Move on 2 Challenge days and so forth. So curious if he can show something on that area. But... I have to be honest, I think that your pick for the stage is Lopez. I guess so, at least. I think that <laughs> I wasn't going to have too much of a different choice there, but we saw attacks from Godou, we saw attacks from Gegenhardt today. Mm, who should I pick then? Because I can't pick the same rider, and I'm pretty sure you're going to pick Lopez. So I'm going to go for... Ah, I don't think Lutsenko is going to survive, by the way. He didn't look good enough yesterday, today. No, no I, can't, I, think I keep so. getting the gaze. What about Seth Kuz? Um, uh, he looked good today, like, but. He's 115 back. He always attacks too early, remember? I know, I know, I know. He'll attack at the base of the planet. We'll be like, stop. <laughs> just, <laughs> just stop. What about the break? You think the break has a chance? I mean, what team's going to take this up early? Is there, are there riders further back from the break that can win this, Benji? Not really. Uh, it's, it's the one mountain stage in the Dauphiné. I'd be pretty pretty disappointed <laughs> if a breakaway wins this one. No, there's two. There's a Fortunato there's a big, out of nowhere. A big <laughs> oh, it's not a mountaintop finish on uh, stage on Sunday, but it's a big mountain stage. I'd say I'd say yeah, harder. Where's Damien Housen at? <laughs> if you want a real I'm, roughie. I'm oh, going to go Godou for tomorrow. Yeah, it's a good call. He's at, oh, he's at one minute. Damien Housen's also at one minute on <laughs> GC. So um, <laughs> a lot of the, oh, see, the price of problem, that's the thing with one week races when you've got a mountaintop finish like this no one will have lost time uh which i think is actually an inefficiency which could be explored uh obviously kwiatkowski could win from the break if Ineos wanted to take an easy day but that is literally never happening what about vingegaard benji didn't look good today so you know he's one of those people who has the talent and he's filed, filed back on gc you just a bit on and off i'd employ him i'd employ him for gus like yeah i think so it's worth it, I guess, for the stage to try with Gus. And I think that on paper, it should fit Gus. We just haven't seen the, um, what can I call it, 
the race tactical, I won't say intelligence, tactical but savvy like, now. Yeah, that's what we mean. <laughs> uh, I think we haven't seen that from Gus too much. And therefore, I'm like thinking he can't win, but I do think he has like the skill to win the stage. He just needs to use it well. I think Thomas will be the favorite for the stage in the, in the betting because it's the most straightforward path yeah, to victory yeah, that we've seen before. Uh, pretty much Ineos train and then Thomas goes in the last K. He, yeah, looked but- re- look, he looked so good on the long climbs in Romandie. Today was a shorter, punchier finish. That long climb in Romandie and he's looked good on them so far this year. And I just don't. Did he beat Coos in Catalonia as well to those long climbs? He looked good in the Catalonia climbs. He beat well, the f- all the. Yeah, go on. The, the thing is that in Catalonia and such, we always noticed that they kept on their train and they tried to drop people that are with them in GC. Now they actually need to attack against Astana. They're not in the advantage at the moment because Izaguirre is still in second in GC. Lutsenko is the first in GC right now. And they both they all have to attack. So perhaps they go into an attacking mode and try and get into the attack with Thomas, but they kind of have to. And that's why I'm not looking at a situation where they're just going to ride a train and they're going to let someone a minute down get away and have them get a victory because this time around they actually need to attack. They can't just play it safe. Is their train good enough? I think their Catalonia team was better than this. I think mm-hmm. Richie Port will have to ride 100% as a domestique for Thomas for that to work. I think they don't have the yeah. advantage here where in Catalonia they could pretty much take the piss, to be honest with. I think Yates <laughs> on stage three just attacked with like six Ks to go and destroyed yeah. everyone. Um, I think if, if Port doesn't pull, you're relying on Gagan Hart basically to do the last six Ks of the final climb. You've got Cole Dupre. Can Carlos Rodriguez, Van Baal and Amador make it over that? Probably, yeah, sure. If they're not, no one sets the pace really hard, which... We don't. I don't expect too much. I think it could be an interesting stage, or it could be Ineos train on the final climb and, and Thomas doing what he does at the end as well. Uh, but yeah, I like Godu. I uh, tried today. I don't know why Godu and Coos tried today. Frankly, it, it seemed like a waste of energy, but it is what it is. But yeah, hope you enjoyed the stage six recap of the Dauphiné. They've also put on two big mountain stages for us on the weekend, which I am excited about. And uh, yes. yeah, any other news, Benji? you got some PCM stuff coming out that people know about. You've had a busy week. Yeah, busy week. Yes, uh, the new PCM game has come out this week and uh, it's bringing me into a, a very bad sleep schedule. Uh, but all in all, I've made some, I think, fun content to watch. I'm, um, I've actually just started a series with uh, Eolo Cometa where I'm going to try and build them out from what they are right now i'm going to manage them and and i'm going to try and win the giro in the span of the first three years of that series well not three in real real life years in game years so uh that's a that's a hefty goal ahead of us and um yeah yolo cometa the team seems to be a bit on board with it so perhaps we could loki collaborate in some form in the near future so that would be pretty cool but all in all some fun stuff and it should be released like two episodes a week or something on my own channel. Otherwise, I'm making Criterium de Dauphiné highlighted on my channel and pretty much just preparing for the Tour de France after that. So it's going to be a busy next two months for us benching straight into Tokyo. Yeah. Okay. But I'm looking right. forward to the tour like crazy. I don't know why, but I'm so yeah, hyped. I'm pretty hyped for it. Yeah. Okay. We'll leave it there. Ciao. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.